Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to Greenwashed and we are down to our last segment of the day and I've got Jill Booth in the house with me. And God, Jill, haven't we done the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals to death? It's been a few years down this path, mate. Oh, yeah. Happy Monday to everybody. Um, We have, I've been banging on this, or we've been banging on about this now for nearly three years. Um, And yeah, it's been a long time. And they're still rolling in the door flat out. You know, I, I look back. You and I, when you met, uh, that was the time of the Agricultural Action Group when it came through to Atapri. You were like, yeah, you're speaking the same language. Then we did the VFF webinars. We are now doing this with RCR. And yeah, the story doesn't change. The SDGs are rolling out at at a relentless pace. And uh, there still seems to be nothing from the figureheads and the beehive. Well, there doesn't. But what, what I find even more horrifying... Um, Jaspreet, is that our councils are going into into massive debt um, to to get these SDGs going within your area, and, and there doesn't seem to be any pullback or, or trimming back on any of them. And one of them we're, we're going to talk about today, which is the climate change agenda. But um, you know, I find that hor- horrifying that, that so much money has been spent at the dictate of a, an unelected global organisation. Um, and, you know, rates are going up and our services are being cut. So, you Most know, I, it just, it just it, it does my head in, quite frankly. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, and we, you and I, when we were, you know, on the same path, I think it was a couple of winters ago now, we spoke about the fact that the United Nations created the local SDG cheat sheet for local government and they said they called it local government managers to make the SDGs local to their area and we always knew that local government would be the ones ushering ushering this in when it comes to your doorstep I clearly remember saying when it comes to your doorstep it will come via the local government but what happens is the agenda is so piecemeal bits and pieces everywhere so there's someone who's up in arms against say a wind farm in their backyard but because they live rural, they don't care that there's two more cycleways going on in town. You know, they only go once a month. There is someone who is completely aghast about, uh, say, the coercion that came with the COVID vaccine and got mandated out of their jobs. Yet they are completely about the green wagon and they do not question how, you know, when we are destroying vast swaths of uh, prime productive land, planting them in pines, what will yet another wetland do? But there they are on the green bandwagon. And that's, I in all those presentations, I always represented, next to the United Nations, there was this Medusa, but lots and lots of snakes yes. for hair. And that's what it is. It is so brilliant. And I have to, uh, you know, absolutely show my grudging admiration for the way this is being ushered in one small, you know, nudge unit at a time. Yeah, absolutely incrementally, and and, and it is the most audacious plan. Um, it shows how clever people are um, to, to be able to get what they want. But when you go back to the People's Report, that was in 2016, but we weren't signed into legislation 
on the SD on the sustainable development goals until 2019. So this plan has been going on in our local and in our government for a long time before, you know, we really knew how it was working. Yeah, and each time, you know, someone talks about, oh, there's this one world government conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. All you have to say is 194 countries, as it 196 now, signed up to the United Nations SDGs and committed to ushering them in, committed yep. to ushering in the mm -hmm. dictates of an unaccounted, unelected body. How is that not one world government? And you well, are you're met with silence. Yes, and it, I remember Mark Malone um, saying that it's not a one-world government; it's a one-world governance. governance. And and that was one of those little light bulb moments. It was like, yes, there is a difference between those two words. And I think the EU was sort of the trial for for this. You know, where where all of Europe was governed by unelected representatives but you had representation from your country and yeah interesting how they set all the rules and the laws for for everybody mm. um as a standard block but you know when you were saying about things coming to your doorstep you realize when things are you know when things come to your doorstep so in gore they're just blowing up now because um a lot of their rural population have found out about the snas and and what's going to be declared snas oh, oh you mean uh S-A-S-M, SASM, so Sites and Areas of Significance to Maori. That, that as well as as well as the significant natural natural areas. So that region has just been hit with what will end up being a massive land confiscation eventually. At the moment, it sort of will block people off their private property. And, It's and going to make things harder. There's going to be a whole lot of consents, the way I think a whole lot of consenting work uh, needed there. I was reading this article in which uh, Bernadette Hunt from Southland Federated Farmers uh, was quoted about this, this very same thing that we're talking about, that the district plan pretty much says that the whole area is significant to Maori sites and areas, but yet there is no one talking about private property rights here. This article that came, it was Fed Farmers urges Go residents to comment on plan. And farmers in the Gore district are worried the new district plan will lead to time-consuming and costly consenting processes. This article is on stufflessness. And the proposed plan is one of the first in the country to be written under the National Policy Statement for Indigenous Biodiversity. Mm. And, and yeah, there's, there's something brewing here, definitely. So, right, but if we now go to, we are, Jill and I, last time we did, I think, SDG numbers 11 and 10 and 11. So, we are up to SDG 12 and 13 now. So, the two that are on the chopping block this week are SDG number 12, that is ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns, and uh, SDG 13, which is, of course, urgent action on climate change. And uh, we'll focus more on the sustainable consumption and production patterns because uh, we, uh, between Don and I, we've already spoken extensively today about what COP28 is going to bring. Now, the Monday after the Black Friday weekends, how are we feeling about sustainable consumption and uh, purchasing patterns here, Jill? Did you did you have a big splurge on the Black Friday sales? No, no. I 
I'm I'm one of those anti people. I I completely I will not buy into Black Friday after seeing the horror of Black Friday um, videos of what happens in the states. You know when you see when you see from a security camera that somebody is shot in a wall, you know, in a car park for a TV, it's a horror. And all those people climbing and fighting, and I, I refuse to become that animal. I just won't do it. It's, it's like, Earth, you know, on Earth Day, whatever it is, Earth Day, <laughs> I go around, I turn on every light in the house, every light. I just go out and protest. <laughs> so, no. Uh, I mean, it is, you know, there's some sort of irony here that my birthday listeners, I'm June the 5th born, and that's World Environment Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking too, I don't think our Alp shop has, has a Black Friday sale. I must talk to them about it. <laughs> I know. But uh, isn't it ironic? So Black Friday sale, this is uh, when uh, US has just, I'd say other parts of the Northern Hemisphere also have had the thanksgiving weekend and that's where we go to you have newspapers carrying stories about you know people camped all night outside stores in the winter of the northern hemisphere we are you know nearing december now and uh, no one seems to say anything there it seems that sustainable consumption and production every all of this just goes out of the window when there's something like a sale announced and look don't get me wrong I like a bargain as much as the next person, but it has to be something that I need, you know, not something that I want. And if I yes. have something on my shopping list and it is, say, at 40, 50% discount, I'll get it. But it is not shopping for the heck of shopping. God knows I don't even have time for that now. And I live 80 days out in the country. Life is pretty simple out here, as basic as it gets. But We've got NZ Herald now. Their articles uh, saying, uh, t telling people what what are the good sales and where they are. We have the warehouse, carbon neutral since God knows when, because I see that sign. If I ever have to walk past their store, and I wonder if they walk everything over from China because how does the how does all the made in China stuff get here? I know. I am looking at uh, the warehouse website, Black Friday sale, Lego, barbecues, phones, toys, some toy, water park, Hot Wheels, single basics, uh, TV deals, mattress deals, toys, toys, what is this, health and beauty, lipsticks, scotch almonds, and just the, you know, the feed as it's going past as I'm, not a lot of these strike as essentials to me. All right, if you had a you know eye on a particular mattress and if it's on a deal, it's a big ticket item. Of course, I look for a sale, but much of the other stuff is plastic junk that's going to last for five minutes and then be discarded. That's true, but it'll be you know it'll do for the run up to Christmas. But the, you know this is where these people. There's a book called The Manipulators, and I think it's by John Pilger. I can't remember the author, but you know for anybody who's interested, going looking for it, um, it this works. How it, it teaches you how advertising works, and they know that with shopping, it releases endorphins, so it makes you feel good. And we're running up to that end of the year stress time, you know, and, and these massive sales. And, and I, man, I know what it was like. I used to spend money like it was going out of water. It was wonderful. Had the most amazing shoe collection. Um, and after <laughs> I bought a great pair of shoes, I always felt good because shopping makes you feel 
good. And and I think these sales like Black Friday and these big Boxing Day sales, I think they're a manipulation. And it's got nothing to do with good, you know, consuming well or or being um, prudent with with consumption. It nearly yep. everything we buy is imported. Mm. You know, and and it's all these massive shops like Briscoe's, the warehouse, these great big global entities. So I don't particularly like giving them my money, to be quite honest. Most of them, Jill, they have a sale already. Don't they keep on having sales the whole year, all year round, like Briscoe's? I'm pretty sure every six weeks or so, there's a mailer of, you know, fabulous discounts. Well, they don't have sales because they buy everything for dirt cheap anyway. You know, when you when you're using slave labor or you're using um, using labor in countries where you know you're earning a dollar a day, five dollars a day, ten dollars a week, whatever, you know, you can tune out very very cheap product, and that's why I see it all as manipulation. You know, and and you look out when you start, you know, when you're buying things in millions of units, they work out at almost cents per unit. Or, or very few dollars per unit because the more you buy, the cheaper it is. And so, so we've been manipulated all the way through. And I don't think, to the best of my knowledge, Jill, that China has set up a research center like we have in Auckland University uh, for research on modern slavery and uh, supply chain pr- and practices. No, and <laughs> no, no, they haven't. And 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 Apple bless their little cotton socks. Um, when their working conditions were so bad that people were suiciding, they put suicide prevention nets from the top of the buildings. You know, they didn't improve the conditions. They just stopped people from being able to kill themselves um, because it's not a good look when you're an Apple corporation. You've got, you know, people that are, are so desperate, they they die. And that, and I use an Apple phone. Yep. <laughs> and ain't that the truth of it, you know? Um and, that, and that's how modern modern consumption works. But I've got a copy of the UN Agenda 21 here, um, and that's the famous document that doesn't exist and everything's a conspiracy theory. But when I've been looking through the changing consumption patterns, nearly everything is about the collection of data. So everything that is bought and sold is, is on a database, and then you'll see the contraction of the big companies just getting... Um, gobbling up the smaller and smaller and smaller ones until, you know, these horror companies like Nestle, um, the big production companies, they end up having almost full control of everything. Funny so it's got nothing to do with being consp- responsible about our consumption. It's been able to limit our consumption choices that we can only buy from a handful of multinationals and then they will be able to control everything that we have or don't have. So they'll be able to give us and take us away at whim, you know. It is surreal. If I'm uh, listeners, Jill and I, each time we do these SDGs, we look at the uh, Aotearoa People's Report, stg.org.nz is your source to look at this. So looking at the People's Report on page number we are nearly up to page number 85 on that one that's a massive tomb it's 150 pages this one of how we are implementing yep. the SDGs here they are talking about by 2030 
ensure that people everywhere have the relevant information and awareness for sustainable development and lifestyles in harmony with nature. Changing people's <laughs> consumption patterns looks promising with more people, they said, seeking out ethical brands that support their life lifestyle, that make them feel they are making a conscious choice and a good investment. Then they go on to start talking in this uh, massive, what should I call it? It's not even a document. It's a tomb on SDGs that we are people are now looking for specialty coffees, specialty cocoa, chocolate, fair trade, fair trade bananas, and so on. And they're looking at less meat. But we are happy to not look past, you know, what's happening in our own backyard, how you are having productive land going up in pines. You're being told to have less meat. There was this article just uh, this weekend gone from News Hub. Will you have less meat to save the planet in case someone missed that? And it was the comments I saw where most of them were a resounding no talk about uh, propaganda. But we are more worried about some faceless people somewhere. And I'm not saying you should not be, you know, looking at the supply chain. But you're not even looking at what's happening to retailers hitting the wall in New Zealand. Small, single, independent retailers. Because of this whole climate change agenda, we are pedestrianizing or making our streets thriving and walkable and whatnot. CBDs are pretty much ghost towns now. You look at Taronga, you look at what they're, you know, the Saving Queen Street uh, folks are working hard, that society. Wellington is going the same way. Richmond, they are trying the similar thing. So why are we not worried about our own small independent retailers hitting the wall before we start looking at overseas and seeing what we are, what's happening there in our coffees? Why are we not looking at what's happening right around the block from you, even if you live around the CBD somewhere? And the contraction, the contraction of these um, businesses is quite staggering. And you know, I said to you, I used to spend money like water. I used to love going to Wellington. Um, it was full of real, like full of really um, neat, independent individual shops. And then I noticed that you know, Wellington used to have the most amazing shoe shops, and. But then I noticed everything starts getting taken over, and it's it's witchery. It's um, the Foot Locker. It's you know, it's it's all the chain stores, and and I can I can get that at home. I don't need yep. to go to Wellington to get it. And and it was quite sad. And Lambton Key especially lost that that those wonderful independent shops that have now been taken over, and they all have the same decor, and they all have the same music, and and you know. I have no real interest because there's nothing new to find. No, you know, and um, and and we see that contraction of of our small businesses are just falling away, and then either their business is taken over or or their premises are taken over, and, and you know, again, that's the clutches of communism. You you can't the whole thing of having independent people is is just against everything. You can't have independently wealthy people. I mean, talking so, of yeah. sustainable consumption and production patterns, as a dairy farmer, I have, you know, often read commentary about uh, palm kernel. And I am the first person to say I'd rather have cows completely grass-fed and have closed systems as far as possible. Now, each time that debate comes in, the debate comes that it's destroying rainforests 
and uh, the habitat of orangutans and bigger apes and gorillas in you know around the tropics yet no one seems to care that palm kernel is in nearly 50% of a grocery shop if you are buying right yeah. from lipsticks a lipstick from you know your uh, local supermarket i'm not talking one of those pricier brands i'm talking of you know generic supermarket uh, lipstick or uh, soaps or uh, even noodles it's in 2 minute noodles it's in everything yeah but suddenly you are told by the media to look at a certain direction point fingers at somebody who is using the byproduct palm kernel is the byproduct of the palm industry once the you know the main the, the fat has been used elsewhere yeah but you are t- told to demonize again farmers using that when it is not about uh, orangutan suddenly it becomes about exotic diseases coming and yes there are biosecurity risks but it is the byproduct what are you consuming as an urban or even a rural consumer lipsticks are not exclusive to urban new zealand neither is two minute noodles but we are ushered you know in a certain way being herded in a certain way to look at things a certain way and then uh, suddenly look at look at the sustainability look at the carbon footprint very honestly right now how many of you who are going to the supermarket for whatever and supermarkets these days jill they seem to use, they seem to be a one stop shop you can get everything there right from pharmacy stuff uh, countdown even has you know pharmacies inside to to everything from shoes to i even see i think i saw underwear and socks also now at countdown and everything i don't go to supermarket much as i'm obviously it reflects in the way i'm talking oh. about it but you get everything at supermarkets There Just is right I I remember the first time I walked into a Costco store in in the states and you could get everything from cigarette papers to a coffin and and it was like this huge warehouse and people are driving these or or pushing these huge trolleys and there is nothing you can't get at a Costco store Mm. and 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 that's exactly they will turn into so stores like that there's a reason that this is happening stores like that will turn into social credit that they will have something to do with your digital data and social credit score that that will be the end goal so that we're all herded to shop at particular shops and and when I when I packed a snot with Nestle and I said I was never ever ever going to buy their chocolate again and then I found out and their cocoa products then I found out nearly everything in my pantry was from Nestle or or a company associated with Nestle and yeah. that was dog food included but you know you're talking about meat and I'm if people want to be vegetarian that's fine but I don't have a problem with it they there's lots of reasons to be vegetarian but when people want to be a vegetarian to save the planet I really um encourage them to go and have a look at Almeria in Spain and this is where the vegetable growing region and as far as the eye can see is is just glass houses Now there's no no animal there's no room for animals to to wander or track I god knows what it does to bees and butterflies pollinators that live in the region all the soil is imported most of the workers are imported and and the pollution on the surrounding beaches from the glasshouse industry is massive and it's mm. just a, it's just a, a a wasteland um it's a horror it's, it's an ecological horror so if you google almeria 
and and go in Spain and and go into images, you know, you'll see what I'm talking about. And so vegetarianism is not going to be the planet's saviour, just as meat is not going to be its death. But you know, what, what I was uh, at that point uh, talking about the fact that when you're going to the supermarket today, how many of us are looking at the carbon footprint and the sustainability credentials? The first thing that goes is everyone is at the clearance end. Everyone is looking at what's on discount. Nobody is looking at the carbon footprint or looking at where stuff is coming from. I, I know a few people, I, myself included, I'm going to look at, uh, we don't have pork on the farm and occasionally I might buy pork and I usually try to go to independent butchery, but sometimes, you know, saving time, looking at the supermarket, uh, state of origin. But how many people are actually looking at it? The cost of living crises is, I think, overshadows any other feel-good, do-good, uh, you know, intuitions you might have. At the point when you are you know, tossing between feeding your family or not, you're not looking at all of that. No, and the amount of effort that goes into packaging um, for overseas market for attractiveness Mm -hmm. And the, the waste in that resource, so I saw that in, in the industry that I worked in, and the waste of the resource that all goes around packaging, printing, um, if, and this is for a product that is going to be sold loose. Quite frankly, nobody cares about the box that it comes in. Yep. You know, and, and yet they tell us that we have to be sustainable, but the wastage within the industry to package to make things attractive to the overseas buyers is, is staggering. Staggering. So what we're told on one hand at, at the front door of, of the supermarket, what goes on at the back is is often a horror. Completely. You know, and and, and I, I'm I'm the first to say I, I can't stand going into those big supermarkets unless I'm overseas. Then it's really interesting. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. So but I for me personally, I try not to to buy I don't buy food that's made in China or or, or that comes from China. Um, but that's my personal preference. Okay, you know, so, so, so you know, look, but carbon miles, I don't even think about because I know it's a, I know it's a load of bollocks. Yeah, but you that's know. what sustainable consumption uh, production patterns wants you to look at. But the point is, none of us is looking at that. Yes, there are companies pushing this, and they are meeting their ESG metrics, and they get green sustainability linked loans at a discount. They are probably going to end up getting, you know government product, uh, contracts and other things because all of this box ticking exercise for them again they're following the money there but for the average consumer it doesn't mean anything especially not in this hyper inflationary environment each time one of the you know your meat processor your dairy company says yep you now need to look at scope 3 emissions or you now need to look at xyz and they say that their consumers demanded Overseas consumers, markets demanded. My question is, again, I am looking at the economies of uh, Germany, the economies of UK. I mean, pretty much worldwide, we are in the same doo-doo the world over. So who are these mythical consumers you're talking about? And then if we are that worried, why doesn't this utter junk that keeps coming from websites like Timu and Shane, I mean, might not be spelling, pronouncing that right, S-H-E-I-N, both of these Chinese uh, outfits and stuff keeps coming in. I see influencers 
on Facebook, I see on Instagram reels, people, my latest Kmart haul, trying out the latest uh, summer markdowns at Kmart, at warehouse, at wherever, or my latest uh, steal from Timu. People, are they really thinking? Are we, are we, if we were that concerned, we would just say no purchases from, you know, we would just put an embargo. This is not coming in. This is not worth it. We are, we, we can't have that sort of stuff in New Zealand. But it all comes through the port. There is no problem. There's no no issues at all. No. And, and it's an, there was that, um, I watched a, a woman who was a, a buyer for one of the big supermarkets in the in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, and she looked about 12, which shows you I'm, I'm getting old, but honestly, she didn't. She looked about 12. You know, and customer demand is that, is that things have low carbon miles and it's like where when what what customers yeah who are they asking it almost sounds like the consultations we do in this country who wants this bike lane oh so and so wanted it so 1500 didn't want it and it just happens because there was this mythical demand from this mythical ratepayer or taxpayer or the word that they use these days is stakeholder people who have no skin in the game but want to have a say but want to have a say yeah and you know, and that—that's the way this whole, it, you know, that's the way everything is now been um, is now been set up. Because the the seventeen sustainable development goals are actually the ultimate ESGs, and then everything else, all the rest of it is sort of like little ESGs, if you know what I mean. It's um, this is their their whole role is centered around the ESGs, but with the with consumption, yes, it's all about data collection. Mm. The whole lot is about data collection. That's why you have barcodes. You know, you have reward cards. You have one yeah. cards and all of those. Yep. So they are watching your consumption patterns. Yep. Now I want to know. This is a question. I know it's slightly off thing, but at New World you've got your reward card, and if you don't have a reward card, you can't get you can't get the the discounts on particular products. Mm. And, and I think that is, um, I think that's discriminatory. I really do. Why should I not be able to have access to to those specials? Exactly. Just because I'm not a member of the club. So I don't have a club card, but I always ask the people around me if they do, and I give them my points, and I get the specials. <laughs> so, so, so it works that way for me. Excellent. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, Don and I have already done climate change to death, but I will look at the Aotearoa uh, People's Report and what they talk yeah. of uh, Goal 13 on page 88 of this volume. It Lucky says, for climate- some, desperate. <laughs> uh, climate change poses a threat to the achievement of any of all of the SDGs. And that's the key point. Every yeah. single SDG, the linchpin there is climate change. They say the leadership of New Zealand government at this time of crisis. And keep in mind, this report was written in 2019. Uh, the leadership is critically important. This should be in ways that upholds the principle of the treaty, including Kaitaki Kanga, and the protection of environment based on traditional Maori values and beliefs. New Zealand, in line with the 2015 Paris Agreement, banned new oil and gas permits. Right. Yep. So they're, they're telling you why your uh, public infrastructure was mothballed by the government. Your taxpayer money was just down the drain there. Uh, New Zealand has also worked with Pacific governments on climate change. And we know Australia has recently started granting residencies to certain Torres Strait and other islanders who supposedly are fleeing a climate crisis. Uh, 
then they talk about the fact that the marches, rallies, protests, the extinction rebellion and the student strikes together with consumer demand for environment friendly products demonstrates increasing public support. 2019 people, they said this and other measures could help bolster effective government policy, such as the climate emergency declared by Christchurch Council. I'm presuming this is it. They talk about in 2018, 16 New Zealand business leaders formed the Climate Leaders Coalition, committing to measuring and reporting their greenhouse emissions. They backed the establishment of a climate change commission. James Renwick, uh, key climate scientist in New Zealand, says the aim is excellent. And some of our biggest companies, Air New Zealand, Fonterra, Contact, Zed Energy, Spark, Kiwi Rail, Naita Holdings, and all. July 2018, they all signed up to this. Who was the CEO of Air New Zealand at that time, Jasper? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The, the the man who the man who was heading our our wonderful airline and um and put his friend's Bill Gates Impossible Burger on, on the menu. <laughs> you know, hello. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, that was Christopher Luxon. Oh, by the way, after he left in New Zealand, we had to bail him out for $90 million, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all fine. All is well. But, you know, we, when, 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 you've got, when you've got people who have got the intelligence to epoxy glue themselves to the pavement um, to stop climate change, and that's the, the people of Extinction Rebellion, um, when you've got people of that intelligence directing your government, you know, you either got to bail or fight back, and and climate change is the linchpin. Now, you mentioned in that report they mentioned the the Christchurch um, emergency climate emergency declaration. Yeah. Yep. So, an, an emergency declaration is legalese for um, they can do stuff behind your back without telling you. And and for those that are interested, I'd start getting into your council and your mayor because he is your elected official, he she, and, and the buck stops with them. Um, and and require the science that they have based this emergency on and the proof. It's often little Sorry. children going into councils, isn't it? Well, that's what happens in our council. Kitties, primary school kitties, came in and begged, you know, they gave a, well, they didn't beg, they put a submission forward for our, our council to declare an emergency. Um, the wise heads around our council sat down and decided that the word crisis would be much better, but it still enables them to go ahead with stuff that we that they don't fully disclose to us. Your council must be transparent with you. It must be transparent. That's part of its part of its deal. It's amazing how they use children. Meanwhile, I have a six and a nearly nine year old who can't even wash their own necks properly until I, you know, supervise them. But they are the ones who are trotted along to go along to councils and plead. For climate emergencies, seriously, what's wrong with the world? Yeah, yeah, what is wrong with the world? And um, and, and that shows you again too. Socialists have done this all the way through. They use children. They use children all the time. And this is how fast things are moving. When Jasper and I started doing the series of the seventeen sustainable development goals, is now number eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> they've yeah. added an extra one on yeah, <laughs> and, and we will deal with that one but that is about children and the United Nations um, the United Nations absolute attack on our children's mental health is, is staggering beyond belief we have kids that are losing their plot 
about climate change and really do think the world's going to end. And the staggering use of Greta Thunberg, who is a mentally unwell girl, you know, and, and they roll her out like a puppet. It, it just breaks my heart. Yep. And that's what you said. It's either time to, you know, either face up and fight back because there's uh, there's no white knight coming, regardless of whether, you know, Christopher Luxon and Winston Peters have been crowned. There's no white knight coming. Ultimately, I think, and the only solution for all of this is radical self-responsibility. You want as little government as possible. You want as an adult to be treated as an adult and take on the responsibility for your own well-being for your own area, your own hood, your own backyard, and, you know, fortify your own community that much, that none of this matters. But, you know, before we sign off, I would really urge you to have a read of the News Hub article that came on the 23rd, three, four days back, on how your diet could help New Zealand meet its climate goals. They got absolutely pummeled on Facebook. But uh, the article begins with this line saying that a new study from the Auckland University has found that the yearly grocery emissions of nearly 2,000 Kiwi households, when studied, found that over half of the emissions were made up of red meat, 35%, and dairy products, 19%. So that's nearly 55%. So have a blast. Read this out with your kids and have a chat about what exactly are you being brainwashed to look at before you start worrying about the modern slavery and other issues in your coffee beans or your cocoa. Have a good one, everyone. I do. Goodbye. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in. This was the Greenwash team. And our number is 2057 for feedback or email us at inbox at the rate reality check dot radio. Bye-bye. Bye. Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwash on RCR Reality Check Radio.